Father, we pray your blessing upon your word this morning as we open the scripture and we teach your word. May the Holy Spirit empower us. May we, our Father, learn, take this word and hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Currently, we are studying the uh, book of Nehemiah. We are on question eight. Is there anyone that did not receive the outline of questions that we are covering? If you did not receive that, raise your hand and I'll get you a copy quickly. Or I'll let you come and get a copy quickly. And we'll get started in a little bit of review for... chapter number six, Nehemiah chapter number six, and we are going to give just a little bit of background due to the fact that we have some new folks and we have some people who might need to be refreshed in what is going on. Nehemiah was a Jew who was in captivity in the Persian Empire. He felt a call upon his heart to go to the king, the Persian king Artaxerxes, to ask him if he could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls that had been torn down uh, by heathen nations because Israel refused to repent of its sin against God. So God sent discipline through these heathen nations, Nebuchadnezzar being one of the leading uh, people who led his armies against the, the uh, city of Jerusalem, and they tore the walls down. Now we've had 70-some uh, years pass, and now God is going to allow Nehemiah, through the good king's heart, to go back and rebuild the walls. When Nehemiah gets back there, he assembles his his workers, and he gives them the, blue, the blueprint that God has provided for him, and they have started building the walls. Now, anytime a Christian attempts to do anything in the name of Jesus, uh, you declare in your heart you're going to start going to church, or you're going to start reading your Bible, or you're going to start praying more, or you're going to go witness to so-and-so, or you're going to start giving more, or you're going to get involved in the goodwill ministry, or whatever it is that you intend to do, you're going to have opposition from our enemy, the devil. And he has a demonic force that is going to assist him in trying to cause you not to grow spiritually. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, he is going to do all he can to keep you from becoming a Christian. He did not want you to be here today because faith cometh by hearing 
and hearing by the Word of God. The more you hear the Word of God, the more apt you are to get saved. And so he is not a happy camper this morning if you're here in that condition. He is not happy here today if you are here in a sincere means of learning about God. And so uh, just keep in mind, you will have opposition from the devil. And we know that Nehemiah, in his attempt to rebuild God's city of Jerusalem, and we call it that because we know that in the scripture it is called uh, the city of God. It is called the place where uh, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set up his millennial kingdom here on earth, and he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Therefore, uh, the devil does not want Jerusalem in the hands of the Jews nor Christians. He he wants it to be uh, uh, he wants it to to be dissembled uh, and not uh, a praise and glory to God. And so we know that through discouragement, through uh, fear, through uh, personal attacks, through the enemy coming and, and challenging. Uh, Nehemiah and the work that has been done to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem that Nehemiah has come under attack and opposition. Last week we learned in questions 1 through 7 that the enemy, when the, the wall was halfway built, the enemy came again and, and, and proposed a compromise. Well, let's just come on out here and talk it over. And Nehemiah knew that this was another strategy or wile of the devil, and therefore he, he sent word, I am too busy doing the work of the Lord to come and have any kind of meeting with you. Sorry, I am not coming. And so the idea of compromise was brought into uh, the, uh, uh, the play of the devil. Um, and so we talked about the fact that if Nehemiah had gone and had uh, participated in any kind of a conference or meeting that he probably would have been ambushed and killed and so therefore he did not desire to go for that reason but he also wanted to finish the work that God had given him. Uh, he would have become, if you look in question six, a, a rock of offense. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit about that. And when I got home, I thought, well, I need to say just a tad bit more about that to, to our people because the devil is so sly in getting us to, to side sometimes with him. We don't even know we've done it until it's too late. Uh, we do not want to become any kind of a rock of offense. Uh, in other words, if we compromise our stand as a Christian, and we say, well, just this one time I will, whatever it is that the devil's trying to get us to do. And then that one time becomes two times, and before long we are participating in a full manner with whatever he, it is that he's tried to get us to do to sidetrack us, to detour us from doing the work of the Lord. Be careful, be careful so much. It was my privilege... Uh, Wednesday evening uh, to speak at the Logan High School Baccalaureate, and my first uh, my first point of the little message that I, I was able to give uh, was the three ABC the ABCs of 
life. And the first one I felt was so important for these young people to realize was uh, was abstinence. And you would think, well, you're, t- you're going to talk to them about sex or you're going to talk to them about uh, abstaining from alcohol. But, but the main thing today, and, and yes, they should abstain from those things, uh, especially sex before they're married, but, but they should abstain from drug use. Drug use is destroying our communities, not just our nation, but our little communities. There's drugs, and I could say in this, in this house today that you could go through every family here sitting that is a family and say, yes, there's someone in my family that has a drug problem, a drug issue. And this is destroying uh, our families. And, and you know, uh, that was something I really wanted to emphasize. There are so many good young people in that graduating class, uh, outstanding young people. Uh, children that came to the prayer club and the FCA meetings every year that they were there. And, and you know, when you get down on college campuses or you get out in the work field or the community where you're, you get to know someone and they offer a kid something that they're not well you know I don't want to be an oddball I don't want to not fit in and, and 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 maybe they might be tempted for the first time out of out of the sight of their moms their dads their church Mr. Godby or, or whoever might be an influence upon them in their lives that they might for the first time get get a, a taste of that and and then they become addicted and that is a terrible 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 thing that's going on today in our society. All right, so um, we uh, now want to go to question 8 through 17 on the back side of your lesson sheet. Now, Sam Ballot is the leading enemy against against, uh, uh, Nehemiah and the work he's doing. And his next attempt to detour uh, Nehemiah from finishing the walls was, well, let's read and see. Nehemiah chapter number 6, and we are reading verses 5 through 9. Then Sambalat, his servant, unto me, in like manner, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. So Sambalad has tried five different times to try to get Nehemiah to come out and to have a conference, a talk about these walls, let's not finish these, etc. In which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Gashem, thus saith, that thou and thy Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. Now, let's stop and think. Think back on what King Artaxerxes said to Nehemiah before he allowed him to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And uh, King Artaxerxes must have really loved and respected Nehemiah's service to him. He was, Nehemiah was his cupbearer. He provided, he tasted the food and drank his uh, drink before the king would eat because there were people who wanted to sabotage the king and, and kill the king. And, and so he, 
he he did the he was a guinea pig you might say for the king and the king respected him for that and so um, the king said to him well how long are you going to be gone I, I respect your service I'm thankful for what you do for me and and I really like you are are you going to be gone a very long time and so uh, Nehemiah said well now king you know it may take several years so he allowed he allowed Nehemiah to go back. Now, if Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem, rebuilt the walls, and was going to set up himself as king, he would have really disappointed Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes would have probably had to have sent his army there and removed him, and uh, he wouldn't have had a chance against the Persian Empire. So Nehemiah was not about to do that. But these people would go to any length to try to destroy Nehemiah's testimony. Now look at me. The devil will do anything he possibly can to get you to falter and look bad in front of your friends, your family, your community. He will spread lies and rumors through the Facebook, through the cell phone, through the tongue, uh, through uh, any method possible to degrade or download something against you or your Christian life. Amen. And we have to be so careful as believers not to let him do that. Be sober, be vigilant for the adversary, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may Devour. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants somebody to say, Oh, I saw what preacher God be did. Oh, well, if he's going to heaven, I'm going. Well, I saw what that church member did. Well, if they're going to heaven, I'm, I'm going to. You see, people will use you as an example of why they don't go to church. Why they don't believe. But you know what? They don't have a leg to stand on. Even if I am a bad witness, even if this church would be a bad witness to the community, they still have a perfect creation to look to. They still have a perfect Jesus that's, that he did not sin and did not bring reproach upon his father. Therefore, they have no excuse. And they may use you as one, but that is not. Uh, going to stand uh, water before the Lord. It, it, he, when they stand before God, they all have to give an account of why they didn't accept Christ. And they can't use you or I as that, as, as that reason. Now, so we see that these people are trying to slander the name of Nehemiah. Now, doesn't that really irritate you when somebody lies on you? Doesn't it really cause you to want to do this, you know, make a fist, right? It makes you want to say something, you know, like Brother Randy said, you know, that, that old Adamic nature comes out in us and we want, our old flesh wants to hit back or say something back or get even. But, you know, Jesus is our example, Amen. And when they said, you're not the son of God, and if you are, you do this, this, and this, and when they beat him in the face, and when they 
They crowned him with the thorns and they spit in his face. Now that one might have got me. Spitting in my face, that might cause me to want to. And I'm not so muscular to do anything about it, but I'm probably getting knocked down if I tried. But, you know, (laughs) it would really irritate me if somebody spit in my face. But they did that to Jesus. And then what did Jesus do? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't know if I could do that or not, but I would certainly try to. I I think I would. But they were trying to to slander Nehemiah's name. They were going to send a letter back to old King uh, Artaxerxes and say, why, that Nehemiah guy that you gave all those supplies to and let him come back over into Jerusalem, why, now he's trying to set up a kingdom against you. Now, if that had been me, I would have wanted to try to get even some way, you know? My old flesh would have wanted to try to retaliate. But Nehemiah, he didn't let that bother him. He said, well, you can say what you want to. The the proof is in the pudding. Watch my life. See what I'm doing. And if you can find something wrong, then I'll confess it. If not, I'm keeping on, keeping on, working on this wall. And so um, we see... That uh, Look in verse 9. For they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it is not going to be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So what happened when they brought these accusations against Nehemiah? What did he do? He prayed. Remember when we started the study of Nehemiah uh, several weeks or months ago, Actually, back in September, we're just on chapter 6. Well, anyway, we're really dissecting this, aren't we? Uh, But I would rather get everything I can out of it than than just skim over it. You know, I want to really get into it. And so we see here uh, uh, that Nehemiah, uh, the book itself has 11 different times that he prayed. So it's a book of prayer also. It's not just a book of construction. It's a book of prayer. So again, verse 9, Nehemiah uses the greatest weapon that a believer possesses on his enemy's lies. He prays. He prays. Let's turn to Psalms chapter 3 and let's see what David did. You know, David uh, was God's chosen vessel to become the next king of Israel because Saul... King Saul had departed from following the Lord and had disobeyed God. And now notice that David is writing about his enemy, Saul. And he says, Lord, how art thy increase that troubled me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they who say of my soul, There is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are my shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. He said, Saul and his armies are after me, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you. And and the Lord, even though uh, David had to hide out and become a fugitive, uh, God protected him and was with him and finally... 
When Saul was killed by the Philistines, David became the greatest king of Israel. Uh, number 10. Sambalat, Sambalat endeavored to use rumors, gossip, and untruths to sidetrack Nehemiah. How should a believer react to uh, unreliable information before repeating it? All right, we're looking in chapter 6 again, and I think we already read verse 6, but uh, we will read it one more time to get the uh, idea of answering the question. And which was written, it is reported among the nations. You see, uh, he didn't say who said it. He said, well, it's just been reported. How many of you have ever said, well, they said, I heard what they said. Who's they? Who are they? Well, I don't know who they are. Then don't say what they said because if you don't know who they are, they might be saying a lie. They might not be telling the truth. So be careful, folks, and Johnny Gubby, that we don't <laughs> repeat that which is probably not always the truth. Let's turn to what Apostle Paul said about that to us, the church, Ephesians chapter number uh, 4 and verse 19 or verse uh, 29 uh, and you know oftentimes I, when I use this verse I'm thinking about four letter words cursing or so forth but it's more than cursing look let no com commu corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Let no corrupt communication. So it's not just four-letter words or cursing. It is anything that might be of uh, gossip or of some sort of untruth or a little white lie that we might be telling that we're not even sure whether it's the truth or not. Uh, so it, the best thing is not to repeat. Let's turn to what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 11 about repeating things that we're not sure of. Proverbs chapter number 11 and verse 13. <clears throat> 11, 13. A tell-bearer reveals secrets, but he that is of faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Chapter 10 of the Proverbs, verse number 18 says, He that hideth hatred hath lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. So, it's pretty clear we need to, what's that little song? Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say, and all so on and so on. Y'all can sing that to yourself. But anyway, uh, make sure that it's the truth, and maybe sometimes you even not not to repeat the truth. Amen? Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> all right. So now he has tried compromise. He has tried slander. Now Sam Ballad is going to try diversion. That is... Get you off track, right? 
getting him off track. Can he get Nehemiah off track? The last effort that uh, Sanballat uses to stop the completion of the walls of Jerusalem is diversion. All right, let us look at chapter number 6 and verse 10. And we see that um, uh, there is um, a person here uh, that comes to uh, Nehemiah. Let us meet together in the house of God, he says. Let us meet together. Let's, let's, uh, let's get you away from this work here and, and let's take you down to the house of God and we're going to protect you. In God's house, you will be protected. Now remember, Ezra, the prophet, Ezra had gone back before Nehemiah and rebuilt the temple so the Jews would have a place to worship. And so now Nehemiah has come back to build a wall around that temple so the Jews would be protected in their worship. And so now the uh, uh, Sanballat has sent these people to say, you, you need to go hide in the house of God. You'll be, you'll be protected there. They won't kill you there because they're, they're coming to kill you. And uh, he says um, in verse 11, And I, I said, should such a man as I flee... And who is there who, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. And so uh, he says, I, I believe that uh, to Tobiah and Sambalat has hired you to say this. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin that they might have a matter for an evil report that they might reproach me? He said, well, what would, what would be the sin of him going to the house of God and, and, and staying there to protect himself? Why would that not have been a good thing for Nehemiah to do? I mean, he was a... He was a, a we would call him a Christian today. He was a Jew that would go to the house of God. Why was it that he should not go to the house of God? Well, you see, Sebelot wasn't such a dummy. He had done a little research on Jewish law. He knew that to enter the house of God and not be a priest was a sin. Only the priests could enter the house of God. How many of you remember back in uh, the Old Testament that when Moses was given the pattern for the tabernacle, that there was a place in the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could enter once a year and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the atonement or the covering of the sins of the people. And so if Nehemiah had gone into the house of God to hide from his enemy, he would have been in sin for entering God's house. 
It was forbidden for anybody to enter except the high priest in that day. And so uh, let's look at Nehemiah chapter number uh, 6 and verse 13. Therefore he was hired that I should be afraid and and do so in the sin that they might have a matter for an evil report. See, he said it would be a sin for me to do this. Why would it be? All right, let's look at Numbers, the law of Moses. Numbers chapter number 3 and uh, verse number 10. Numbers 3, 10. And thou shalt appoint Aaron, he was the high priest next to Moses, remember, his brother, and his sons, they were the Levites, the tribe of Levi, and they shall wait on the priest's office, and the stranger that cometh near shall be what? Be put to death. If you went inside the, the, the Holy of Holies in that tabernacle, you would be put to death. Now they built the temple to worship the Lord. And the temple had a place called the Holy of Holies. And they could not enter. And if Nehemiah had done this, he would have been breaking the law of Moses. And therefore he would be sinning against God. And so these people did their research to try to find fault in Nehemiah. That's why I'm telling you folks, look. You cannot allow yourself to be tricked into doing something that will bring reproach upon the name of Jesus. You see, we are not going to be sinless as Christians. We ought to sin less, but we're not sinless because nobody's perfect but Jesus. But we ought to be blameless. In other words, I ought not to be able to point my finger at Randy Adams and say, I saw you do that. Don't let people have an advantage against your God through doing something that is not of the will of the Lord or breaking His Word. You know? I was trying to get across to those kids at Batmaloyed, and that's not the only thing I talked about, believe me. They got the gospel. But I was trying to get the point to them that one little puff of a marijuana cigarette could ruin, think about it, could ruin their testimony. <coughs> think about your pastor. If I were to get out here and do something stupid and fall for the devil's trick, well, you all might forgive me, but would that not stain the testimony that I have tried to uh, to keep for these years that I've been a Christian? Yeah. You all would probably forgive me. But there's that, that stain. Think about people like Jimmy Swaggart. He sung and he preached and he did and then got caught up with prostitutes and I don't care I mean he's forgiven and I forgive him and I don't even know if he even did that stuff but if he did that will never be erased from people we're human we're going to think about that 
And it's so important that we be careful what we say, where we go, what we do, because we don't want to mar not just our testimony, but the name of Jesus. That's the most important thing. We've got to think about him before we think about ourselves when we live our lives in these communities that we're in. Number 13, when are... When we are tempted to, to go against what is contrary to the Bible, a believer should remember what Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 says. Moses wrote and he said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I have commanded thee this day. The Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. God says, if you will just do what he says, he will set you on high. He, he will bless you, in other words. He will, he will prosper you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.17 Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Oh, my friends, how we need to be careful about our lifestyles. How we live in front of the world. You know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians teaches us that we are the only book that some people read. They will not pick up the Bible and read it, but they'll watch your life. I'm going to find out something about that person. You know why? Because they want to feel as guilty as they are. They want, they want to be able to justify their sin by watching what we do as Christians. Do you all know that? Paul says it. You better be careful. It's right there. All right, what does uh, Paul tell us in chapter 5 and verse 6 of Ephesians? Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Be be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Then look at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, because the tactics of compromise, slander, and diversion did not work against Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem were completed in the record time of chapter 6, verse 15 of Nehemiah. This is amazing. Chapter 6 and verse 15. How many days? Or how many days was it? 52. Fifty-two days, seven weeks. Now that is an amazing thing. Remember when he first came to Jerusalem, he didn't tell anybody his blueprint. He he went around at night. He didn't go during the day and survey. He went at night and he looked at all the damage and all the trash and all the... Uh, sort of probably like Brother Jim when he came into the upstairs of the church there and he started thinking, now how am I going to repair since 1947? <laughs> Boy, what are we going to do here? <laughs> and go up there now and it's almost like 
you know, like it, it, it's perfectly white. It's pure. It's clean. It's ready for children to go and learn about the Lord. Just get a little carpet on the floor there, girls. Pick it out quick, all right? And, uh, and so in 52 days, they had rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Now, you say, well, so 52 days. But think of all the opposition. All the criticism, all the slander, all the threats. The army's out there ready to kill you. They're going to sabotage this. They're going. A fox could jump up against this wall and it would fall. Remember all that they went through to try to get that wall built for the glory of God. And in 52 days, it was complete. Now number 15. What was the attitude of the enemy of Nehemiah when they heard the wall was finished? Hmm. How did old Sanballat and Tobiah and all those other uh, people that had been against the Jews, what was their attitude? Chapter six, uh, 6 and verse 16, And it came to pass when all our enemies heard of this and all the nations were about us, uh, saw these things, they were much cast down. Ho, ho. What they tried to do to Nehemiah boomeranged and hit them, and they were cast down. They were, they were upset. Man, we didn't succeed. Praise God. What does what does God say to Moses? And what did God say to Joshua when they became the leaders of Israel? Be of, be strong and of good courage. Don't step to the left. Don't step to the right. Keep on keeping on with me and you will be successful. And what happened? They were. They were successful. All right. Let's think about the disciples. Acts chapter 4. All right. Jesus has uh, died on the cross he has ascended back to the Father. He has empowered them by the Holy Spirit. They have gone out into the streets of Jerusalem. They have preached. And as Brother Randy brought out on Wednesday night in our Bible study, there was 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. And there were five more thousand saved when the lame man was healed at the temple gate. And so now we have 8,000 Christians running through Jerusalem uh, testifying and, and witnessing and preaching and the, these people that had had uh, sabotaged Jesus and had crucified him, they were afraid that they, they were going to be blamed for his death and so they said, we've got to do something to stop these people. They're going, they're going to uh, get us in trouble for crucifying Jesus. So what did they do? They hauled Peter and John, the leaders of this preaching, into their council Chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had what? Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus is a pretty good thing, guys. Amen? You study His Word. And you, you, you acknowledge him in your life. And my friends, you will prosper. And I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about good health. I'm talking about beautiful children that become outstanding citizens. 
we're talking about blessings that that the lost people don't understand. They they just are they're out in the they're out in the dark, aren't they? What else did they do? They wouldn't stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 38. So they bring them into the council again and they say, Now we're going, we're going to beat you and we're going to tell you you cannot speak or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And what did the council conclude? Verse 39. Acts 5, 39. But if... It be of God. In other words, if these guys are legitimate, the council said, it cannot over, it cannot be overthrown. Lest perhaps you, fi- you be found even to fight against who? God. God. They said, if these guys are really doing the right thing, you can't overthrow it and you can't fight against God. Amen? Amen. If you live for Jesus Christ... The devil will do all he can to stop you, but you can't. You can't be overthrown. Because he that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. Who's in you? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, your saved person. And to them they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and commanded that they should not in the name of Jesus and they let them go but what happened I gotta, I've got to look at verse 42 and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ Amen so don't be discouraged the Lord is on your side He will get you through you may have persecution and you will have if you stand for the Lord But remember, you're on the winning side. You may be the only one, but you and God make a majority. Amen? Last one. Though the walls of Jerusalem were constructed, Sanballat continued to harass Nehemiah. Likewise, Satan will never give up on ruining a believer's testimony and spiritual growth. So what did he do? Let's see what he did. Chapter 6 six again of Nehemiah verse 17. Moreover in the days and the nobles of uh, Judah, many letters unto Tobiah and the letters of Tobiah came unto them and they were many of the of the uh, sworn also uh, sworn unto him. Uh, his uh, son-in-law uh, well, however you pronounce these Jewish words. Look at verse 19. Also they reported his deeds, his deeds before me and uttered my words to him and Tobias sent letters. What did they continue to do? They continued to, to threaten Nehemiah. Oh, Nehemiah, we're going to tell on you. We're, we're going to report you to the king. Well, it didn't do him any good because the king didn't believe it. Let's turn to James chapter number 4 and verse 7 and 8. You see, here's what Nehemiah did. This is what we need to do. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Amen? Amen. And this is what Nehemiah did. He humbled himself. He said, God, I'm not going to give in to their compromise. I'm not going to give in to their derailments. I'm not going to give in to their discouraging words. I am going to trust you. Now, number 17 is, is a, uh, it's an open-ended opinion, and I'm not going to ask you to, to share that with me, but you might need to share that with the Lord. In what areas of your Christian life does Satan attempt to cause compromise, slander, and diversion? It might be that God wants you to read your Bible more. God might be wanting you to, to uh, as we said in the beginning, uh, pray more. Uh, whatever it is, don't be diverted. Amen? Amen. Like the old saying, never say out loud you're going to read the Bible tomorrow in the morning or by bedtime because then you'll get a phone call, you'll get a headache. You're just giving a Now, if you don't 